Hey, and welcome to All Things Renovation with Brandy the Boss Lady and Paul the Wood Magician. We're a fun-loving couple who eat, breathe, and live all things renovation, and we'll be your hosts on this podcast. We created the podcast to help you take a confident role in your renovation dreams and get your project done right, on time, on budget, and with quality craftsmanship. All right, welcome to today's show, everyone. I'm excited to have Victoria Ballantyne here to talk about home inspections, why we need one and when, and what do we get as an end result. Victoria is a seventh generation Canadian born and raised on the North Shore, like her mother, and now raising her kids there too. So she's a true local. Uh, she graduated high school early and fled as far away on the planet as she could escape, only to realize after eight years of work and travel that Vancouver is truly the best place on earth. And no wonder why the property prices here are so high. She graduated SFU with a degree in political science, which is a natural segue into construction, except that it's not. <laughs> she had two children who are the pride of her life while building a multi-million dollar residential design build construction company. She then transitioned into home inspection field where the less stress plus more free time for herself and her family equals a much happier life. And her favorite things to do are work in her gorgeous West Coast Japanese style garden that she designed and built from scratch, hike in the mountains daily with her dog, travel and going to see live concerts. And her definition of heaven is to combine the last two in the same trip. So welcome to the show today, Victoria. Thank you so much for having me. I wanted to have you on the show today because, well, you're awesome. <laughs> and I thought it might be a good opportunity to help educate people on what to look for when you do an inspection and under what conditions you'd normally be called out. So why would someone call you out to do a home inspection? Well, there's base, three basic times that I get called out. The most obvious one and the most common one is when someone wants to do a pre-purchase inspection. Um, a lot of the time people will put subjects into their contract for a home inspection to be done. But more recently, about 95% of my inspections in this insane real estate market have been people that want an inspection before they put an offer in. So they're able to go in subject free. Mm. Um, I also do maintenance inspections and the maintenance inspection and I do the same thing, I should just mention, in all of these inspections. No matter what type I'm doing, I apply the same standards. So in a maintenance inspection, I can look at all the systems of a home whenever I do all kinds of inspections. So that's the roof, exterior, structure, electrical, heating and cooling systems, insulation and venting, plumbing, and the interiors. Most people have no idea what kind of issues are lurking in their home. And we get kind of complacent when we've lived there for a long time. And then suddenly you're faced with an emergency. And that's when all of a sudden we realize we had things wrong. So I can go through and identify any systems that are getting to the end of life or systems that have things going on that are going to suddenly develop into a big problem. And in doing so, I can help you budget. You know, you know what your priorities are going to be. I can also save thousands and thousands of dollars by identifying something small that is going to lead to something big in the long run. Yeah, I think too, if you do find something that's fairly egregious, then as a potential buyer, you could go 
to the seller and say, hey, we found all like this laundry list of things or this one big thing that's really going to be a problem um, in the future. And maybe we negotiate then on a different price. And normally, um, not so much in this crazy market, but generally I do uh, advise people that getting a inspection done before you put your own home on the market is also advisable for that reason, because uh, you are so able you could, to, yeah, yeah you address are, something ahead of time. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, idea. exactly. And, and get pricing because it doesn't cost you anything to call a roofer and get an estimate on how much it's going to cost to replace your roof that needs replacing. You might not know off the top of your head what the value of that is, but someone comes in and is negotiating with you um, for the sale of your house, they might say, I want this much money taken off because of the roof. And you will already have that in your pocket and say, well, you know, I have an estimate that says this is the value of what the roof is going to cost. So it really enables you to go into the negotiations fully aware and with all yeah. kinds of information at your disposal. Yeah, no, that's, that's a really great tip for sure. Um, so the last kind that I do um, is the new home inspections. Most people don't really think about a new home needing an inspection, but all homes built in BC are covered under a new home warranty. And it's also referred to as the 2510 warranty, which people may have heard of, but not necessarily know what that is. So the two covers two years of labor and materials on the home, five covers the building envelope, including uh, water penetration, and 10 is on the structure of the home. So these are expiration dates, 2, 5, 10, and getting an inspection done before each of these expiration dates allows you to find out if there's anything wrong and make claims against them before that part of the warranty expires. Yeah, it's almost like going to um, the mechanic before your cart. Uh, warranty expires as well, right? Just you kind of just get everything cleaned up and make sure that it's all running well and all that kind of thing. And, it would be and I never would have thought of that, but that's a perfect analogy. Um, the same sort of um, premise behind getting your 2510 done. That's a, that's a definite. Um, Absolutely. And, you know, as a former owner of a construction company, which is no longer in operation, I am still liable for those claims. So mm -hmm. Doesn't yeah. matter if someone's gone out of business, like they are required to uphold that. For sure. Yeah. So when um, someone is considering buying a project or sorry, project <laughs> property, um, we already talked about maybe getting a pre-inspection done before they even put an offer on. But what are some of the other simple things that a buyer could potentially do some legwork on even before they get to that point? I'm thinking. Um, you know, if there was obvious upgrades to the house, like, is there a way that they could, you know, suss out whether or not they were done properly? Of course there is. And it's a very easy thing that someone can do. You can go to the municipality for what, wherever that home is located, and you can look and see if there's pulled and closed permits. Closed is the most important part of that phrase because anyone can pull and open a permit, but it's the closing part that gets the inspections to inspectors to sign off on any work that's been done. Um, this is a great thing to do if you notice an older house that has updates, like you just said, or if you notice uh, a suite in there. Right. Um, you definitely want to make sure it's a legal suite. 
Because if you somehow end up buying this home and haven't checked and the municipality finds out that you have an illegal suite or any work that's been done without permits, you as the new owner, regardless of whether you had this information when you bought the house, are going to be responsible for any remediations that the municipality deems appropriate, which can cost a lot. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Especially with a secondary suite. I mean, all your fire separations and, and you know, the entrances and in and out of the area. And then you have to have sort of a separate garden sort of sitting area or whatever for the, the their use. And there's, there's a whole bunch of different. Um, and the, yeah, really easy things that you can note, like, you know, people don't know this and I really try and educate people on this, but a suite is required to have either its own electrical panel or access in a common area to an electrical panel. If you don't see that, then chances are the suite is not legal. Same yeah. thing for heating. You are required to have your own heating system or the ability to control the heating system in that suite. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a bunch of little t telltale signs for that, for sure. Um, now, when you are doing um, uh, an inspection, clearly there's some things maybe that you couldn't sort of do as far as looking into something. So I'm thinking like finishes, you can't like lift up a floor, for instance, or something like that. Like, is there anything else that you're really just not allowed to, to do during your inspection? I don't do invasive testing. So anything that's sealed up in a wall, I'm not going to be delving any farther. Um, for example, if I see a water stain on a ceiling, I will be using my moisture meter to try and indicate whether it's an active leak or not, but I won't be cutting into the ceiling to look for myself. I will be telling you that you need to get somebody else to do that. Um, yeah. I like to tell people that home inspectors are like GPs. We're general practitioners. We will look at everything and advise you if you need to go to a specialist. Right. Um, um, another thing is in insulation. I'm not allowed to move insulation. The only time that I will ever touch insulation is if I'm in an attic on an older home, I will look to see if underneath in areas, there's any indication that there's vermiculite, which is asbestos. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a big job to uh, remove all that, especially in an attic. It's, not a fun job. We've, we've had a couple of instances where we've had to address that and our, our remediation teams are highly skilled and I wouldn't, wouldn't I don't envy them having to crawl up in out of spaces to do that. No. Um, and I will also take the electrical panel cover off and look inside, but I'm not allowed to take the main connect panel off. Right. Right. You mentioned um, if you see a, a water uh, stain, say in a ceiling or whatever, and that you use your moisture meter. And for those people who don't know what a moisture meter is, basically there's this little device that has two prongs in it and it measures the, the moisture in, in any given surface. Um, do you do any uh, thermal imaging? Is that something that you can do? I do not do thermal imaging. Um, someday in the future, I might do that. It's insanely expensive to buy one of the cameras and to take the course on you're required to take in order to offer that service. Um, a lot of people do it because it looks better if they have it, but they don't actually give you that much more information. I mean, I have a temperature reader that will allow me to see if your um, 
in-floor heating is working in certain areas. Mm-hmm. But I mean, chances are, I don't need to tell you if you are buying a 1930 home that the insulation is not going to be good in your walls. Or if there's any insulation at all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm. that's yeah. just a given. That's what you're going to get when you're buying that age of a home. Yeah. And I go into the attic, so I'm able to look and see if the insulation uh, is good in there and if it's patchy in there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so yeah, so like basically it, you can't do anything that's invasive or destructive to the property is kind of what I'm thinking. Um, exactly. Which then gets me into sort of the, the, the follow-up question to that um, or in conjunction with it. Um, so what happens if an inspector doesn't happen to find or note something that is really problematic once the new owner gets into a renovation um, that maybe would have been something that you, you could have or should have found. Um, I'm thinking like rot here. I, like we even had a, a recent project where on the exterior of the house, some of the siding was rotten and it wasn't noted in the report. Is there like what, what happens at that point with somebody who, you know, used a home inspector, you or anybody else, um, is there any recourse or like, what's, what, how do you, how do we go about dealing with that? Or like, what, where, where are the limitations to what you're expected to provide? Well, first of all, I should mention that one thing that is emphatically emphasized in my report is that I am inspecting at that time. So right. for example, right now I could go in and not see any evidence of, uh, water in the basement or crawl space because yeah. it has not rained for a really, really, really long time. So I, I can't tell you what's gonna happen at any given time. I yeah, can see if there's evidence of it that in the past, but I can't see it actually being there. So I make sure that people understand that this is at the time of inspection. And right. I take a plethora of photos to document what things looked like at that time. So if you don't have this back up in your report um, and somebody missed something like obvious rot on the exterior of a house, I am completely covered by insurance and you are able to, you know, go after me for whatever reason it may be. And yeah, I mean, uh, try like, and prove your point. Like, like everybody in, in, in pretty much any industry or sector, like and everybody has insurance. Court. Yes. And a report is considered to be a legal document. So if I'm okay, missing so I something. Didn't know that. I didn't yeah. know it was considered a legal document. That's interesting. We are required to write it as it would be used in court. So good inspector will have a good report and the not so good inspector <laughs> will not have a good report. Yeah. Um, I always recommend that people check, uh, maybe not even with just asking their friends and family who they've used, but check and make sure that the inspector belongs to a reputable um, association because their standards are much, much higher. Right. Yeah, that's a good idea. So what um, sort of organization would people look at? So what, what are you, who are you affiliated with, for instance, and, and what, how many other affiliate, you know, options are there? I am not sure on the number of options out there. Um, there's not that many because the two main ones, one I can't think of the name of off the top of my head, 
and then mine. Mine is the Home Inspector Association of British Columbia, and we are the predominant one in the province. Right. So I think that would be a good way for anybody just to double check that whoever the home inspector is that they're hiring or that's been recommended to them, whether it was from a real estate agent or a friend or whomever. Um, again, part, part of this comes down to the responsibility and, and ownership of my role in whatever that is as well, right? You can't just go blind on faith sometimes and you've got to take responsibility for yourself and do a little bit of work. Um, sometimes people just like to abdicate, oh, somebody this, and then I trusted that. And then, you know, I'm the victim here. Well, you know, maybe if you've taken 10 minutes to do a little bit of research, you know, maybe you could have saved yourself some, some heartache in the end. Yes. And, you know, my association has um, the most rigorous standards of what is expected from a home inspector doing a home inspection. Um, that alone gets you more value for your buck. I've seen reports that are absolutely nightmarish. And I don't even know how that person is licensed in this province. And we all have to be licensed in this province. Hmm. Okay, cool. Um... So when you say that they're nightmarish, meaning like there's not enough detail or that. Um... I'll, I'll give you an example. Yeah, please do. I, in my reports, say what the problem is. I say what needs to be done, when it needs to be done. Um, and there's a photo. So the one report that comes to mind that I saw was didn't have anything at all like that. It had a hardly any descriptions of even what was there to begin with, even if there wasn't any problems. You know, they did say that there was asphalt single roofing. But when it got to the plumbing section, all it said was all plumbing has been inspected and was fine at time of inspection. So as we've just discussed, we're not allowed to do invasive testing. I don't tear open your walls. Everybody knows that the only plumbing that's visible, unless you have an unfinished basement, is the fixtures where it comes out of the wall. Yeah. And fixtures. So this person has just claimed that they've inspected the entire plumbing system and everything was fine. That is a lawsuit waiting to happen. There's just zero chance that you actually did that and you've claimed that you have. So and it being a legal document, basically exactly. you have to stand so behind you're that. in big trouble. <laughs> Well, oh, glad I'm. I'm glad that uh, you're you're one of the good ones. <laughs> I like to send people a copy of a sample report that I do, so that they're able to see what a report should look like. Yes, and it, it all comes down to part of the educational process. Absolutely. Uh, no matter you know what part of the the journey you're on on this this road of renovation here. Um, Right. And for so many people, they're first time home buyers. They have no experience at all in this. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we've gone through sort of what you would do and from maybe from like the buyer perspective or whatever. But you also mentioned that you do um, maintenance sort of inspections for people in their houses. And um, I'm curious to know, like when you find things like what are some of the, the more common things that you see that would be things that would be small fixes that would save you a long, like a bunch of money in the long run. What, what are some of those items that you normally pick up on? Well, the number one thing that everybody can relate to if they own a house, not in a, even if they're in a strata, actually, uh, is clean gutters. 
everybody's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll clean the gutters. I'll get to it. And, you know, it's just not a thing that people realize can be an enormous issue if they, they don't do it. Um, backup can rot the sheathing um, for your roof. That's the plywood that say the asphalt shingles are attached to. And if the gutter backs up, then that water is just wicked into the wood. And if that gets water in it and starts to rot, you're going to have to replace the majority of your roof, which is a huge expense, all at the cost of basically nothing of you going up on a ladder or hiring someone for a little bit of money to go up on a ladder and clean that gutter out. Mm -hmm. Also, overflow from the gutters can send water cascading down towards your foundation, which can build up. And water is very powerful. You can have a hydraulic pressure that can cause cracking in your foundation. And cracking can not only allow water into your basement or your crawl space, but it can also wick up into the structure, into the wood. And it can, yeah, it's it's a big problem that you don't need to have. <laughs> yeah, well, and and we know in the industry that water... Uh, we'll find the easiest way in. So if it's not being directed appropriately into your perimeter drainage system and all of that kind of thing, and it's sitting on your sidewalk and it's going, maybe the sidewalk is uh, sloped the wrong way and it's sloped into your foundation walls, water's going to go down in between the wall and the dirt and it's going to go around and it's going to find that that smallest little crack where maybe it's going to go down yes. underneath the slab and come up in a different way. And, and all of that could easily be prevented, like you're saying, by just cleaning your gutters and making sure that they're they're sloped the right way and that all of the joints are properly maintained. Yes, absolutely. And you know, water is the predominant enemy to a structure. And we have a lot of water here. <laughs> yeah, we live in a rainforest. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, there are loose toilets. This is something that I see on probably 75% of my inspections. Really? You just straddle the toilet and like jiggle back and forth between your legs, um, that that's really bad. That means you have to take the toilet off and replace the wax seal on the toilet and put the toilet back in. If you don't and haven't been doing that, it allows sewage to leak through and absorb into your subfloor. And not only is that a health hazard, but that's really expensive to fix, especially if you've got tile on top of it. Oh yeah, of course, yeah. And for yeah. people who don't, who don't know, basically the wax seal is the, the, the component, it almost looks like a donut and it, it transitions from your actual, the porcelain of your toilet to your drainage and prevents basically what we're talking about was water and sewage sort of seeping out in between those two components. It's, it's basically the, the, the glue that kind of holds all the, the stuff together so that nothing sort of goes out, out where it's not supposed to go. <laughs> Another tiny fix that I see all the time and recommend is the articulated bendy dryer hoses, you know, the white yes. accordion looking yeah. ones. Um, the dryer should have smooth wall venting and the shortest run possible. Lint builds up in the articulated hosing really easily. And those are a huge source of fire in North America. Um, smooth wall doesn't allow this to happen as anywhere near as quickly and it also allows your clothes to dry much much fire and fire much much faster and saves you money um, the same thing for if you have an exhaust fan above your your stove um, if you have the articulated hosing which you're not supposed to have 
it's a major grease trap and grease heat equals fire. Yeah. The other thing that I see all the time that I recommend people fix and change right away is something that costs like literally a couple dollars and it is the hoses on their washing machine. Um, a lot of time people have the black rubber hoses Yeah. when in fact having the braided hoses that are like the silver, they can save you so much money in an insurance claim because the rubber hoses do not last anywhere near as long as the braided hoses. And they are the first thing to go on a washing machine. And most people put the wash on and leave. Like, I don't know about yeah. you, but I don't yeah. stay home and stay watching my washing machine. No, no. It's one of those tasks that you can do or ha be having done while you're doing something else. Absolutely. And when that hose goes, that's a lot of water that's pumping all over your house. The braided hoses are a few dollars at Home Depot. And all it requires you to do is unscrew and screw. That's yeah. a big big thing that people I, can do. I, we, I would even say like for all of your plumbing fixtures, um, all of them. And it's actually very common now, like under, underneath yeah. your, uh, underneath your sinks and stuff. I, I see it almost exclusively. Now people have got that plumbers use it, but yeah. it's the washing machine that people just kind of forget about. Yeah. And that's well, where it's it running makes, and the yeah, water and they, is and, they, and they come with the black hoses, like from the manufacturer, a lot of the time it's part of the kit that is sent to you. Right. Um, and I would say too, like, uh, cause we just touched on just under your sink, making sure that you have, uh, good shutoffs. Yes. Because <clears throat> sometimes, you know, either there isn't a shutoff depending on how old the house is. And in other times they're so old or, you know, corroded or whatever, that they're not actually going to function for you if you needed to shut them off in an emergency. And then of course, pursuant to that, know where your, your main shutoff is in your house. A lot of people don't even know where their own infrastructure is. That is one of the things that my association requires me to put in my report is the location of it. And I always put the location of it and a photo of what it looks like. Yeah. And, and sometimes we've seen it. It's like behind something that you could never get to very easily or quickly. And we had a flood at my house a handful of years ago and our shutoff is very easy to get to. And, and, and we were able to shut the water off very quickly, but the damage was still done. And even though like, so I can only imagine if you're running around trying to find out a, where it was and then, oh, I can't access it. I've got boxes and a sofa in front of it or whatever, or wardrobe or whatever that is. I mean, like the five or 10 or 30 minutes it would take you to like uncover that, you know, the water is just like spilling out and spilling out and spilling out and creating more and more damage. So it's like, true. That's a big one. And even more importantly than that is the electrical panel. Um, that's why it should never be in a cupboard or hidden behind anything because that is the be all end all of having to get to, to shut it off in an emergency. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, definitely. All those things are, if, if you don't know everybody, if you don't know where those things are, find out today, <laughs> make sure that you do. Um, are there any other sort of small things that sort of come to mind or do we kind of get through that list? Um, well, the last thing that is really small that I uh, often don't see and recommend is the seismic strapping on a hot water tank. Mm. Um, it should be attached to the wall so that when there is an earthquake and we know there will be earthquakes, yeah. that giant cannon filled with scalding hot water is in a place where it can't fall over and explode. If anybody's nearby, that is a severe, severe injury. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
And then other things that would be like really obvious as you're walking around um, when we were talking prior to jumping on the call today, uh, we were talking about even just things outside the exterior uh, about decks, um, which is a big thing, especially right now. Everybody wants to have their outdoor space. And as we get more and more into summer and kind of start rolling out of the pandemic and all that kind of thing, we're going to have our people over and enjoy ourselves. Um, you know, a lot of people are doing the DIY thing. Yeah, sure. I can put up a deck. Um, Everybody knows or has helped somebody that's like, come help me with my deck. I've got beer and pizza. Like it's such a common thing. <laughs> yeah. And um, thousands of people are injured every year from decks collapsing. Thousands in North America. It's a huge, big deal. We've all seen it on the news where a party where a deck collapses and lots of people are injured. Um, the main thing that you can look for as a potential home buyer is the footings. Is Are the posts on the little pier blocks that are kind of shaped pyramid shape or are there actual poured concrete footings? If it is built without permits, um, 100% of the time, the pier blocks are used when it's built without permits, it seems like. If you see those, you know it has been built without permits. Um, it should definitely have concrete footings into the ground. Yeah. And of course we have, you know, uh, span tables and all kinds of things to be able to calculate what the, you know, the structure and all that's supposed to be like. And as a, a lay person, you could never know what that is, but the, the pier pods versus proper footings is something that is pretty easy to spot and you don't really need Absolutely. to be construction minded to to be able to spot that one. So that's, that's good for, for everybody to understand and know. And climbable railings too. You're not allowed to have railings that uh, any little kid can use to step up to. Yeah. They, they have to basically prevent climbing is the general climbing. gist of, is the general gist of what, that, what the code sort of stipulates is to prevent that from happening, especially if you're high up. But even if you're low down, I mean, we've all seen someone trip off a stair and break a leg. Like it doesn't have to be a super high thing to have an injury. So yeah, definitely having railings that are not climbable. Um, we also talked about uh, now coming back into the house, something that you know we're not even really allowed to build anymore, but a wood burning fireplace. But a lot of old houses, have wood burning fireplaces so maybe speak to what you kind of find when you're looking at an old house and and what you would recommend people do to address that element of their house um well you know they're not allowed anymore for air quality which means that the majority of them that do exist are quite old and i will always check the mortar and i will always look inside to make sure the damper works and i'll always check and see if there's any cracks inside the firebox but i always recommend a wet inspection uh, a wet inspection is a wood energy technology transfer inspection and that is a thorough inspection of your wood burning appliance by a certified technician who's trained to id local code compliance standards uh, many insurance companies will require this inspection before they will even insure your home. So uh, getting one done before you buy a home is a great idea because if you buy this home and then suddenly find out that your insurance company isn't going to cover you until you have it all fixed up and made compliant, which might not even be possible, you might have to remove the whole thing, you're looking at a lot of money. So yeah. 
a wet inspection. Um, some municipalities in BC require this to be done on a regular basis um, and your insurance won't cover you if it hasn't been done. And it is so easy for fire to break. We don't clean our chimneys often enough. The creosote builds up inside and you can have fires inside your chimney that might go out or might not, but you, you won't even be able to see this happening. So when that does happen, it tends to um, deteriorate the mortar. And once the mortar deteriorates, you have an opening where fire and sparks can literally go through into the structure of your home. And most yeah, of our homes are wood. Yeah. <laughs> you're not, and you, you probably aren't even gonna really know until it's far. You're not, but you know? if you get a wet inspection, they will actually look inside uh, in areas that I'm not able to, to right. get to. All right. Well, that's, that's another really good tip. We have, we happen to have a wood burning fireplace. So I think we should probably get that done. Um, all right. Well, I, I feel like we've covered a lot of material. Is there anything else, tips or tricks or um, things that we should be aware of that you'd like to share with us? Or did we kind of cover pretty much everything that you were? All those people out there who are looking at buying a strata, please read the strata reports. If they yeah. don't have depreciation reports or if they don't have any information they can give you, please run screaming. This is <laughs> so important for you to read all of those documents. And so many people say, oh, I don't really understand them. It's like, you can understand the important part enough to be able to ask important questions. That goes in every report for mine with strata. Please read the documents. Yeah, I mean, you, you get to understand like if there's anything that they already know is deficient, um, you know, or if they even have an idea of what that is. I mean, everybody is by law supposed to have a deficiency report and be able to plan accordingly to address those elements yes. in a timely manner. And everything has a lifespan. And even a brand new building needs to have a deficiency report so that uh, the strata can plan to replace things as they need to be replaced as their lifespan comes to a natural end and all of that kind of thing. And on a new building, the 2510 warranty, especially the five, the building envelope is so, so, so important that oh, yeah. you, if you are buying a place that is coming up to that anniversary, you need to find out what the strata's plans are, whether they're getting an inspection done before that expires. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we have so many we have so many condos and we have so many that are being built. I mean, that is a really great piece of information uh, for anybody who's looking into purchasing something like that. Um, now, before we close out the show, I want to just say, hey, how do we get in touch with you if we want to have a, an inspection done of our, of our houses or our properties? You can call me. Um, my information will be posted correct underneath yep, this yep, video put all, put all the all of her links and all that kind of stuff uh in the show notes um, i am a huge texter um i love to answer texts more than phone calls um just because it's really easy for me to get to on my timetable and answer quickly um i can be reached at my website i can be reached on facebook i can be reached on instagram and i can be reached on linkedin all right. Whatever well, your preference, <laughs> whatever modality works for you. I am here will, for you. <laughs> we'll be able to, to uh, respond to that. So as per our sort of show standard, um, I do want to ask you a couple of fun questions and it's just meant to be 
like I say, something fun. And I just want your first uh, reaction or whatever first comes into your mind. So the first question is, what would you like to change or renovate most in your home? I have absolutely nothing that I would like to renovate in my home because I have lived here for 17 or 18 years. And about five years ago, we gutted it down to the studs and replaced absolutely everything to exactly what I'd been dreaming of for the last 13 years. So down to the square inch, my home is perfect. Wow. That's, that's a first. <laughs> I was going to say, you probably don't hear that very often, but I had so long to sit here and think about it that I yeah, have it exactly how I want it. Oh, that's awesome. One day I'll have to come and see it. Um, the second and last question would be, are you handy? And if so, what is your favorite tool? And if not, what would you think would be the most fun? Um, I am sort of handy, I would say. Um, my <laughs> favorite tool, obviously, is going to be in the gardening department because I love gardening. Um, I have found an, a crazy amount of things can be fixed really easily with clamps and uh, epoxy glue. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a one-up from duct tape, yeah? Oh, much, much better than duct tape. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I love my screwdriver and my um, drill. Those are, that's my favorite thing that I use. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, you know, it's really been great to have you on the show today. And for those of you listening, I hope you found valuable insight on when to engage with a home inspector and what they tend to sleuth out and uh, whatnot when they're doing that and the report that you should be expecting at the end of it. Um, and also to consider getting those maintenance style inspections done to make sure that, you know, you're protecting what Your most of us is our biggest asset, right? So um, I definitely would encourage people, not only just when you're buying, but also along the lifetime of you owning your home, just every now and then reach out and have a home inspector come through and maybe they can see stuff that you have become uh, nose blind to, as they say, and complacent um, around. And um, it could really help you out in the long run and, and save you a bunch of money. So again, super awesome. Thanks for Thank you on the so show. much for having me. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today and learning about all things renovation. We hope after listening, you feel even more empowered to take a confident role in your renovation dreams. You can find all additional episodes and resources for all things renovation at our website, allthingsrenovation.com. And if you're ready to make your house feel more like home, you can contact us at woodbeart.com to get started on your dream project now.